Well, this is probably the worst series on prayer you've ever heard. Because we're now the third or fourth week into it and haven't talked about prayer at all. And so we're going to talk a little bit about prayer this morning. But not very much. Because you're not ready yet. I've been telling you, prayer is like having a samurai sword. You don't give a samurai sword to a little kid, he's going to hurt somebody, himself or somebody else. And that's the way this is with prayer, and it's, it's a very powerful and effective tool. Well, we've got to be ready to use it, or we just do harm and damage with it, or hang it on the wall as yard art or something. Uh, Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. There we go. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus was praying and he prayed about us. And the thing that he prayed for us is that we would have unity. Now, I know normally when we talk about this passage, we talk about unity of the believers, like me and you being one. But, true, but there's another really important thing here about oneness that's going on. And this is the oneness between me and God. The Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Father. Makes them one. And Jesus said, I am in them, and you are in me, so we're one. So the unity, the oneness that Jesus was praying about, most importantly is the oneness and the unity that we have with him. Being one with Jesus. Um, before I go on, i got to tell you, I went to the eye doctor this week and I got new contacts. And you all look awesome. <laughs> but this iPad, oh boy. I can't see it very well at all, so this could be fun. I could get my glasses out. But I kind of need a new pair of those too. One ear missing. But it'd be alright. Yeah, you know what to get me for my birthday. Cheap readers at Walmart. So... Last week, we talked about our identity. Who I am in Christ. We talked about things that Jesus did to me and for me. Irrevocable, nothing I can do to screw it up. Jesus did it, he, he empowered me with these things, and that is now who I am. If I am in Christ, I've been made alive with Christ. I'm holy. I'm a special royal priest. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All of those things that we talked about last week are true because of what Jesus did for me and to me. And it's not optional. It's in me. It's who I am. If you're in Christ, it's who you are. So that's what we talked about uh, last week. The week before that, we talked about how life is hard. And... I know some of this stuff is water is wet, isn't it? Anybody think life is hard? I think if you don't think life is hard, either you're not paying attention or watch out. Because life is hard. We live in a world at war. And I'd like for it to be unicorns and fairy dust every day. But that's just not the world we live in. It's hard. 
People are sick. People are dying. There's evil in the world. People choose to do other things than God's will. And we all live in the consequences of that. I choose to do things that are not God's will. And I live in the consequence of that. And it makes a mess of things. But now, because I am in Christ, I have a way to live through those hard times. And through that stuff. Because of Jesus, I have hope that I'm going to make it through. And I will. Um... So, last week, my identity in Christ, not optional. What is optional is if I choose to believe it or not. I know my stories are old and you all know them, but I'll tell you again. If I win the $54 billion lottery and they put the money in my bank account and I get this statement and it has all those numbers across the bottom of it and I say, I've never seen anything that looked like that before. That's got to be a mistake. Bank error in my favor. There's no way I have $54 billion in the bank. I'm going to continue to live on the same $42 I thought I had before. Even though I'm a billionaire, I'm not living like one. Many of us go, come into the kingdom that way. Jesus has made us. He seated us in the heavenly realms with him. I am the son of God the most high. He loves me. And he's given me everything I need. But if I don't believe that, I'm going to live like I don't have any of that. And so that, that was last week's. And, and the point of last week's is you have choices. You can choose to believe God or you can choose not to. And it has great consequence in your life of whether you choose to follow him or not. Now, along with the line of what's up to me, last week is I can choose to follow Jesus or not. This week... We just read that Jesus said that we would be one with him. The Father and the Son, the Son and me, me and the Father, me and the Son. It's all a oneness thing. You know what unity means, right? Singleness. One thing. Not a um, compound substance, but pure. One thing. Oneness. The opposite of that is not oneness. Right? And if you think about that, like the Bible talks about a double-minded man. Double-minded man is unstable in everything he does. Because he thinks about this and he thinks about that. Well, should I do this or should I do that? Which way should I go? I don't know. How about you? What do you think I should do? And it, it leads to chaos, confusion, and the wrong path. Jesus' prayer in John 17 is that we would be one. That I would be one. Not split, not fractured, not a compound. But one. And that's what we're talking about this morning is oneness. What does it mean to be one? Um, I took a little survey the other day. And I interviewed some of my friends. And the friends that I chose to interview are the friends that I have seen great change in over the last few years. You know, the people that are growing and maturing in Christ, becoming more like Him every day. Where their faith is not just a, a theology of something they believe, but actually the way they live is different. So I, I interviewed a few of these people over the past couple of weeks, and I'm sneaky, so I didn't let them know I was doing it. And my question was, what happened to you? Why are you so different? You know what they told me? All using their own words, they told me, I've become closer to Jesus. 
<laughs> closer to Jesus. And, and that's what I was thinking about this oneness, this unity thing, and thinking, isn't that really what it is? Is that at, at some point, Jesus is over here and I'm way over here. And then as I become a disciple, an apprentice of his, I move closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. Oneness. Christ in me. The hope of glory. And so I was thinking, well, what was different about these people who are obviously growing and maturing and becoming Christ-like and the rest of us? And I think the rest of us are pursuing holiness. We're pursuing good things. We're pursuing knowledge of the scripture. We're pursuing to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're pursuing to be honest, to not kill, to not even hate. And doesn't that sound good? Except it's the same old thing we always talk about. You don't get any of those things by pursuing those things. You will achieve all of those things by pursuing Jesus. So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. What's it look like to pursue Jesus? What would you do different than you're doing now? How could you pursue Jesus? So I started listing some things you could do. Well, one, you could, you could talk to him. And, and second, you could listen to him. And then I thought, well, you know, worship really draws us close. So you could, you could worship him. And I started making these categories, and they all kind of fell into three things that Jesus said. So I thought we'd use what Jesus said as the uh, talking points to get us to where we ought to be. Jesus said, come to me, follow me, remain in me. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Anybody tired? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Now, I know a lot of these things are, they don't make sense. If you're weary and burdened, we would say, sit down and relax. Jesus says, no, leave all that junk and just come to me. Come to me. Um... What's it look like to come to Jesus? Well, I wrote down declaring your intentions is one way you come to Jesus. What do I mean by that? Declaring your intentions. Have you ever had something you wanted to do? And, and maybe you tell people about it, maybe you don't. You just kind of put it in the back of your mind that someday I'm going to do this. That's the way exercise is in my category of life. I want to exercise. And someday I'm going to go exercise. I'm not exercising, obviously. Right? And, and I probably won't this afternoon. Well, I know I won't this afternoon and I probably won't tomorrow. So, many of us come to Jesus with that kind of mindset of, well, yeah, I, I want to do that. And, and I'm, I'm encouraging you to don't let it fall into that category of something I want to do someday. Instead, 
I want it to be something you speak out loud. We don't, and I'm weird, okay, you know this. We often don't understand the power of our words. Our words are extremely powerful. Jesus said our words have the power of life and death. If I turn to one of you and say, I hate you. That's powerful stuff, right? Conversely, if I turn to you and say, I love you, it gives life. So, when I say declare your intention, that's what I mean. Jesus, I come to you. Jesus, I am with you. Jesus, I give myself to you or consecrate myself to you. And I, I know it's weird, but I'm, I'm just saying go ahead and be weird with me. And when you wake up in the morning, these are some good words to start out the day with. Jesus, I'm yours. I give myself to you. I come to you as my source of life and health and hope and being. I find it in you, Jesus. You're the one, Jesus. I choose you, Jesus. Now, see, I know Satan is already right here saying, don't listen to Tony, he's stupid. And he may be right, I might be stupid, but try this anyway. Say it. On purpose, out loud. Jesus, I come to you. I give myself to you. I have been crucified, Jesus, with you. And I put all my old man and his sinful nature to death. And instead, I find my life in you, Jesus. That thing, that list we had last week, if you don't have one, hit me up. I'll give you the list. The who I am in Christ. Say those things. You'll be amazed at the power of your voice to say the truth. And the changes it will make in you. Now, see, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. Because I could think positively that I'm going to be a seven-foot basketball star someday. And I could think that the rest of my life and it's never going to happen because I'm not that. So I'm not telling you to fake it till you make it, become something you're not. I'm saying Jesus has done this in you. If you are in him, declare it to be true. I agree with Jesus. I'm one with him. I come to you, Jesus. I belong to you, Jesus. Now, I said to say it when you wake up in the morning. I said that because you can't say it any earlier than that. But as early as you can in your day, say it. Now, the next time you think about it, say it again. And then say it again later. And it, look, if you need to say it at mealtime to start a habit, well, say it at mealtime. I don't care when you say it. You can't say it too much. Declare it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I come to you. And you know what will happen when you start saying these things as truth? You'll start coming to Jesus. Now the next one is in John chapter 1. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was one of the, uh, one of the twelve and Jesus was just walking along the street and saw Philip and looked over at Philip and said, Hey, Philip, follow me. And Jesus is looking at you wherever you're sitting and saying, Hey, follow me. The idea of coming to Jesus is like, Okay, there, there, I, I did it. I, I'm, I have come to Jesus. Check, finished. But there's no way the follow me can ever be finished, is it? You ever followed somebody? Like a, like a vehicle, like you're the second vehicle in the line going somewhere, and you just follow them. What happens if you stop doing that? You get separated and lost, right? 
You get caught behind the light, and next thing you know, that where'd they go? I lost them. Following Jesus is very active, and it takes intention and dedication and purpose to it, to following Jesus. No, I'm going to keep watching where Jesus goes. Again, all of this is opposed because our enemy does not want you to come to Jesus. He does not want you to follow Jesus. So he's going to distract you at all the right turns, at all the intersections in life, and all the splits in the trail. He's going to distract you to get you to look over here and follow some other way. And uh, Jesus says follow you. And it's important that you learn about Jesus so that you, you know the kind of things he does so that you will be in the same mindset and the same path walking the same way he does. Everybody loves cruise control. But you know if you're in a group of vehicles only the first person gets to use cruise control? Because nobody else's cruise control works the same way, does it? Either you're running over them or you're getting left behind. And you can fiddle with the button all the time, and, but they don't work the same. I don't know why that is. They don't. When I put my life on cruise control, even though I'm a good man, my cruise control and Jesus' cruise don't work the same, and I get lost. Either I run ahead of him or I get left behind. I can't live life on cruise control. I've got to be actively following Jesus. Where are we going now, Jesus? Which way, which way is next? It's important to come to Jesus and then to remain with him by following him. Each step you take, each decision you make, you have the choice. Am I going to follow Jesus or do something else? Totally in your hands. Um, so, how do you follow Jesus? Well, one thing I would encourage you to do is to read your Bible. Now, I know that many, many people have turned reading the Bible in to a very legalistic thing or to a science project to try to learn some mystery about life and how much a drachma is and what's a cubit and all those kind of things. And, you know, there's all kinds of history and science and stuff in the Bible that you can learn. And that's good to learn that. I'm not telling you to read your Bible because of that. I'm telling you to read your Bible because on every page, Jesus is revealed. And you will know something more and more about Jesus on every page. The Bible is not full of exceptions. It's full of examples for you to follow. And, and group Bible study is awesome. And us reading the Bible together here at church is a wonderful thing. But that won't cut it. You have to read the book. On your own. And I know, but I don't understand. Well, here, let me kick some magic in for you. There's this thing Jesus sent called the Holy Spirit. He reveals the mystery of the kingdom to us. I'm not a rocket scientist either. I read the book. I say, what that mean, Jesus? Oh, okay. Or sometimes he says, turn the page, you'll get this later. That's okay too. You don't have to understand every verse. Mystery is a core foundation of this world. If you ever think you're going to figure all the life out, well, I hate to pop your bubble, but you better start accepting some mystery or you'll never learn anything about the kingdom. Because there are things that you can't understand that I can't understand. And if we limit God to my box, the amount of thinking I can do is going to make God pretty small. He won't fit in that box, mine or yours. 
So, read the book. Now, one of the primary ways you can deceive yourself is to read God's Word, to hear the Word of God, and then not do what it says. That's one of the primary ways we get deceived. We read God's Word, and then we don't do it. And we deceive ourselves. So when you read God's Word, and in His book it tells you something, Jesus, is this for me? Do that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Really? Yeah, Tony. Love your neighbor. Ooh, Jesus, I don't know if I can do that. Follow me, I'll show you how. Follow me. I'll show you how to do that, Tony. So as we read God's word, he speaks to us through his word. Now, I believe, I'm a Bible thumper, okay? I believe every word that's written down. I believe it. Every bit of it, I believe. Do I understand it all? No, I don't. Do I agree with all of it? Some days. I know it's true whether I agree with it or not. But I believe God's word, and he has revealed the kingdom of heaven to us through his word. But he's also given us the Holy Spirit. And Jesus also speaks to us. In the New Testament, this is referred to as wisdom and revelation. And I believe Jesus speaks to me. And I believe he speaks to you. And because I believe that... It means I'm trying to have this never-ending conversation with Jesus. And I'm silly. I I go way too far. But I try to ask Jesus everything. Which black shirt should I wear this morning, Jesus? What should I have today from Casey's, Jesus? Which road should I take to Hiawatha, Jesus? Jesus? I ask him everything. Is it because I'm concerned about sin or, or uh, being righteous or, or being holy or being evil? No. I'm not concerned about that in any way and I'm not asking about that. I'm saying if, if I'm following Jesus, that means I've got to check in with him and see which way we're going. Where are we going today? Oh, somebody's coming down the street. How do you want me to respond, Jesus? What do you want me to say? Nothing? Oh, there's a big problem up here, Jesus. You want me to jump in and try to fix it? Or not? You want me to fight for this? Or not fight for this? You want me to show compassion for this? Or not show compassion for this? You want me to speak up? Or you want me to be quiet? You see, if you're reading God's Word to try to figure out how to live your life, you need to come to Jesus because you are weary and heavy laden. And that's not life in Jesus. Life in Jesus, we sang this this morning. Freedom is now the song of my heart. When you come to Jesus, when you have come to him and you're now following Jesus, all of these decisions and should I do this or should I do that, it all comes up to him. He will speak to you and let you know what to do. Now he'll speak to you in any number of ways. Sometimes it's with a voice. Sometimes not. Sometimes through a sign, a sign or a song or through scripture or through what somebody, some friend says to you. But he will communicate to you what he wants you to do. And that's how you follow him. Um,
The freedom that is available in Jesus Christ, that's how, you know, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's what that rest looks like. I can lay that down. That burden of trying to please everybody, of trying to be a good boy, of trying to do all the right things, I can't take that, neither can you. But I can come to Jesus and I can follow him. And thirdly, in John uh, 15, 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is in John 15. Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. The vine is Jesus and the branches are you and I. The branches are in the vine. The vine gives them life. And the branches produce fruit. If they remain in the vine. Okay, what happens when you take the branch away from the vine? It dies. When the branch is in the vine, when it remains in the vine, it has life. Jesus is life. Real life. You know, there's all kinds of fake and counterfeit things around trying to give us life. Your hobbies, your family, your money. All these kind of things try to give us life. Chemicals try to give us life. Food tries to give us life. Style, music. We can try to get life from all of these things. And there's a problem with life that comes from all of those things. It's counterfeit and temporary. Let's say, what do you love to do? Let's say you like to fly fish. And you went fly fishing. And you hit fly fishing at the best opportune time. And every cast out there, a trout was just rolling over it. And you're pulling them in like crazy. And it's a wonderful day. And, and you were 17 when that happened. And you're now 50 and tried to make it happen every other time you've gone fly fishing. And it never comes back. It's gone. Oh, that day was awesome. But never again. I've never hit it right since then. Isn't that, isn't that life? Or, or maybe once every five years. Or you had the perfect vacation once and you go back to have that vacation again and it's not, wasn't the same. It's just gone. Or you, you went to a concert when you heard this band and they were incredible and you went back and you, well, yeah, it was alright. That's the way of the things of this world. They, they offer some life, but it's temporary and it's counterfeit. Jesus offers life that is real. Physical life, spiritual life, eternal life. It's real. Jesus said if you're in him, you'll never die. Now, my body, it's going to die if Jesus waits around too long. Um, so I've come to Jesus, I'm following Jesus, and then I have a decision to make every day. Am I going to remain there, or am I going to go do my own thing? Follow Jesus, remain in Him, or do what Tony thinks is a better plan. When Tony chooses to do what he thinks is the better plan, doesn't produce life. Not life that lasts. Now, 
In John 10, 10, Jesus said, The enemy, the thief, has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to you and have life and have life to the full. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what our enemy's doing. I've come to Jesus, I follow Jesus, I remain in Jesus, and the enemy comes at every moment. The enemy is like the Terminator. He never sleeps, he doesn't get tired, he doesn't feel pain, he will not stop ever. That's the way our enemy comes at you. You get a little bit of life, he wants to steal it. That wasn't real. Forget that, that's not for you, you don't deserve that, that's not good for you. And he, he steals, kills, and destroys all the time. And the good news is, after what we learned last week, Satan cannot harm me. He has no authority over me. I am under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He has authority over me. My enemy has no authority over me. Then why does he have so much power and influence over me? He has as much power and influence over me as I give him. No authority, power, and influence. As I entertain what he has to say and the counterfeit life that he is offering me, and as I consider those options and I mull them over and over and over, I am giving Satan power and influence over me. And do you know that in Jesus' name I can stop that immediately? Submit to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. You want to remain in Jesus? When the offers for counterfeit life come in from our enemy, from the world, or from my sin, I say, wait a minute. That's not true. God's word says this. That's a lie. I choose God over you. Hit the road. Done. Okay? Now what do you have to do to be able to do that? Well, you kind of got to know what God's Word says, don't you? Which is why we started out with reading the book. Read it. Let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. The Holy Spirit is also there to help you. Look, I'm not telling you to learn the, to read the Bible and learn it memorized so you'll be really smart and over able, able to overcome all this stuff. I'm saying put the Word of God in your mind and in your heart so the Holy Spirit can use it in your life to help alert you of the lies of Satan so you can overcome them by saying that's not true. So fight back against our enemy. Earlier I talked about worship and how worship draws us closer to Jesus. It's one of the ways we remain in Him is by worshiping Him. So Come to Jesus, follow Jesus, remain in Jesus. Every morning, say to God, say to Jesus, I'm yours, I'm in. I belong to you. I surrender my will to you. And wherever you lead me today, Jesus, that's exactly where I want to go. I will follow you wherever you lead me today. Now, read the, read the book. Spend some time. You don't have to spend hours. Spend a few minutes. Look, there are all kinds of translations of the Bible. Some of them are very close to the original uh, Greek and Hebrew, and th those are great. And some of them are written in really easy to understand English. We lovingly refer to it as the hippie Bible. Read that. We don't care. Read that. You'll find truth in that. It doesn't matter. You'll understand that when you read it. 
Spend time with that book and say, Jesus, is this true? What's this mean to me? How do I live this? How do I do this? And then as a result of that, as spending time with Jesus, this thing wells up in you. It wells up in me. And it's called worship. And I don't know if you noticed that this morning, but as there were some songs playing that said, Son of Man, reach out your hand and and touch me. He does. He touches you. And as you see, like the broken body, the shed blood, the gift that Jesus gave, and the life that you have in Him, the only response I have is to say that back to Him. Jesus, I love you. Why do I love you? Because of what you did for me. The way you... Look, I sinned in ways that are horrible. And Jesus paid the price made me whole again. He redeemed me. And when I say those things, this, this worship starts breaking out of my heart. As you spend time with Jesus, worship is a natural outcome of that. And so, I tend to go things backwards and say, do you worship God much? And if the answer is, well, not on my own, then I'd say, well, it's probably because you're not spending time with God on your own. And you probably should be spending more time with God on your own so that these things are allowed to happen. You know, it takes time. It doesn't take hours, but it takes time. When you're in the car, put on a worship song or put on an audio version of the Bible or shut it all off and just talk to Jesus and listen to Him. And see, the funny thing to me is, you know, when I talk to people about going to church, they say, well... I, I like to fish, and I really worship God out on the riverbank. And you know what I think? I agree with them. They're right. It's incredibly easy to worship God in nature. Because you see all of the things that God has created, and the handiwork that He has done, and it draws me very, very close to Jesus by being in nature. By being around things that are real, not man-made. You know? Now... Am I saying that next Sunday morning go fishing instead of coming to church? No, I'm saying do that on Saturday and come here on Sunday. Because you need the fellowship and the encouragement and the instruction from God's Word. But I absolutely agree with you about nature. And I would encourage you to go into nature and talk to God there. I don't care how you do it or how long you do it, but it's an amazing thing. Take your shoes off and let the grass come up between your toes and talk to Jesus. See, this is weird stuff. Whoever thought they'd hear this at church. Um, As you sit in nature and see what God has done, thank Him for that. So, we're, we're talking about oneness with Jesus and how to get closer. Talk to Him, listen to Him, read, spend time in nature. I would also tell you to just be quiet. This is a really weird thing. Just go sit down somewhere and don't do anything. Don't pray. Don't read your Bible. Don't be solving the world's problems. Sit down and say, Jesus, here I am. Speak to me. And just be quiet and listen. These things will draw you close to Jesus as you come to Him, follow Him, and remain in Him. You need to be one with Jesus. It will change everything else about you.
If there's anything to put your effort in, if there's anything to strive for, if there's anything to intentionally do, it's this. Come close to Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. So here's another one. When you're sitting there or you're alone, or actually all day long, at any moment, ask Jesus what He thinks of you. Jesus, what do you think of me? Now, let me give you a heads up. If you hear that you're not good enough, if you hear that you're not part of the kingdom, if you hear accusation and condemnation, that's not Jesus speaking to you. So tell him to leave and ask Jesus to speak. What will you hear? You will hear words of love, an affirmation about the relationship you have with Jesus and the Father. About your brother Jesus and your Father God. And how they love you. And see, Satan is attacking all the time. And you do something with your kids or at work or at home or whatever. And you do something and you're feeling like a loser. And what happened? That's a really good spot to say. And Jesus, what, what do you think of me? I think you're an awesome dad. I think you love your kids. I think you love your wife. I think you're searching for me. It's an amazing the things you will hear. So, as we wrap this up, remember, this is a series on prayer. And I know this is the weirdest series on prayer you've ever heard because we haven't been talking about prayer. We talked about how life is hard. Not because you're doing it wrong, but because we live in a world at war. And last week we talked about who you are in Jesus. Because if you don't know who you are in Jesus, you'll be all jacked up about this stuff. And today, it's oneness with Jesus. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And we must be one-minded. We must be one. One with Jesus. And we, we become one with Jesus because he did the work to make us one. So we come to him. We follow him. We remain in him. Um, we have a single purpose, a single focus, and that is the pursuit of Jesus. Now, I know your life is busy. You have lots of things to do. You will be much better equipped to do them, and the results will come out much better if you dedicate some time of your day in solitude with Jesus. It will change you from the inside out. You know, some people have trouble with words, and so they make a, they make a cuss jar, and every time they say the wrong word, they put money in it. And, and maybe that works, maybe it doesn't, but I, let me tell you, i got a much better plan for you, one that I know that works. Come to Jesus. Other people have trouble with anger, or addiction, or greed, or gossip, or self-righteousness. You want to fix those things? Turn your eyes from those things and come to Jesus. He'll fix those things. Are you a worrier? Oh, I wish I didn't worry so much. The solution? Come to Jesus. Rage? Come to Jesus. Whatever it is, come to Jesus. He'll fix that. Nothing else will. 
Everything else is temporary at best. Jesus will fix those things in you as you become one with him. Don't get distracted by your failures and the circumstances of life. Just come to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Remain in Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, it's you that I need. Nothing else, just you. And I know that you are in me, and the Father is in you. And that I am in you, and I am in the Father. We are one. And Jesus, that's the way I want to live my life. In unity with you, in harmony, in oneness. I don't want to be divided and split. Now Jesus, there are things in me that are not from you, that are not holy. And so I ask that you would expose them. And that I would give those things to you as well. Not that I would take on the task, the task of fixing those things. But that I would open them to you. To let you come in and heal. You heal the broken heart. And you set the captives free. So Jesus make us one. As you and the Father are one. We pray this in your name. Amen.